Welcome to On Resistance. Today we are going to be having a special two-part show discussion. Um, the first part we will be discussing the Ferguson verdict and uprising. Uh, and the second part we'll be discussing the uprisings that have taken place throughout Los Angeles. Uh, this is Bobby J, and I will be loosely facilitating the discussion. And let's get into it. Um, first, can we introduce ourselves? Uh, J squared. S show. This is X. <laughs> J squared. Yeah, welcome, welcome J squared. Um, so the verdict thoughts, like, what did you guys think about the um, verdict threes? Uh, Darren Wilson will not be indicted for the murder of Michael Brown. It's frustrating. Um, as a young male of African descent, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to see another individual. Um, not being held to the same standards that other like people in society are held to, specifically held to the same standards that um, the black community is held to. If some one of us is to kill someone, there's no doubt about us being indicted. Um, we'll go right to court. It will be no grand jury. The prosecutor would uh, file charges. So for me, it's just great frustration. Mm. I think for me, what bothered me the most is that the same people that are causing uh, terrifying scenes in certain communities are, they get to live comfortable lives even after the fact. You know, you heard Darren Wilson say that uh, he's walking away with a clear conscience after killing, mm -hmm. you know, Michael Brown unarmed. So that's, uh, I can't even wrap my hand around that. How do you walk away from killing someone and not? have any thought about it whatsoever yeah um yeah as a as a black person too i felt more um uh it's just like it's an accumulation this like upset it keeps on accumulating and accumulating you know with like last year i was in tears and this year i was just a lot more angry um <clears throat> and uh i felt yeah, like, how do you, as a police officer or whatever, um, you just have a clear conscience? You know, even people who shoot people in the line of duty are usually given, like, certain therapy, you know, measures. But, like, but with this, it's just, like, so he doesn't need therapy. And, like, what does that say to the intention as well as, like, yeah, screw, screw intention in general considering, you know, the police... Um, are meant to terrorize black and brown and impoverished communities. And um, yeah, I, I just wanna also, you know, uh, spotlight the idea of like more, <clears throat> the more the state d and these grand juries decide not to, you know, indict or um, do anything about uh, black lives being killed, it, the more I feel like it creates, um, yeah, this collective consciousness in people that has existed from the beginning of this country where, like, yeah, black life is less than, and it has this, like, what that has done intergenerationally is, like, it's, it's made it very normalized for people to just be killed every day. Like, last week there was, there were, it was Tamir Rice, you know, was also kill, killed, 
um, in Cleveland, and like it's happening almost every day. I don't think it's every 28 hours anymore. You know, it's just every day. Um. Yeah, I was also not really surprised by the verdict. Uh, it's interesting because we think about like yeah, like last year with Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman, it was like, you know, it was kind of this like okay, they're they're allowing open season, you know, for like passing you know, people to be able to kill black people. You know what I mean? And then with Derek Wilson, it's like, they are also saying like, you know, white people, you know, you've always been allowed to kill white people. And like, if cops kill black people, like don't expect for anything to happen. And um, and so there was this sort of, uh, there was a, there was no surprise. And then no surprise is what scares me too, mm. you know, because it's like, I feel like it's also part of like, you know, um, the progression towards like, you know, our, uh, our revolt, I think, is you know people just seeing that this uh, that the systems and these institutions are just a sham, um, but also just like the you know like Edzi said before, like the normalization of this, you know, and I think I think that's why they built it for so long. Like they knew they there was no there was going to be no indictment, you know, there was no um this was all just sort of like a build up for them to stockpile their weapons because they knew there was going to be a response, you know, and that kind of leads into like the next thing I want to talk about, which is the fear of the white riot. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, a lot of times we talk about like, you know, what, you know, the responses to all these injustice, like verdicts that come out. um, But, you know, but, you know, we were all discussing before, like, you know, the fear of, like, what would happen if Darren Wilson was arrested. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about that, too. It makes me contemplate or think, rather, about how the white community would respond if he was indicted. And I think it would actually be violent. It's like how they talk about what's happening now in Ferguson or around the country is violent, the way in which the black community is responding. It's like, no, there is no lives being taken. No lives are being taken. This is, you're comparing property destruction, equating it to like a life being taken. It's just not the case. Whereas if white people start to riot, lives will be taken. Specifically like racist white communities like the KKK, who's been putting out statements um, in Ferguson that if he was indicted, that they were going to go on a hunting spree. And mm. they, it would be an actual, it would be an actual violent riot where people's lives would be taken. It would be a race war on our streets um, and not funded by the state. It would be actual um, citizens uh, opposed to like police officers um, who, because there is a race war that's happening right now where, and that's the problem, it's being funded by, I'm, I'm paying for, you know, I'm paying for the LAPD officer who, ki- who killed Azell Ford. You know, like my tax, my dollars go to this individual. So it makes me think about how they're worried about white people and the way in which they're going to respond. And if white people start to riot and start to kill, it shatters the the illusion that they've been putting on the black community, how we tear our own communities, how violent we are. We'll see real violence once these racist individuals, these violent individuals are brought to justice. 
if our justice system ever decides to bring them um, before it. I mean, uh, going back with what Bobby was saying, I feel as far as the verdict and when that was released, I think it was planned. I think uh, they provoked the response that happened afterwards. They didn't have to release it at night. It could have been earlier in the day. They knew that they were gearing up people to do something. They wanted the response. The white riot happened during and after when the police were actively yeah, yeah. shooting tear gas and smoke, whatever, into crowds, houses, you know, anywhere to disperse people. So, I mean, there was an element of collective punishment that they were dealing to the community after the fact. Yes. So that's something that has to be considered and thought about when those kind of things happen, but it didn't have to go down that way. Um, <clears throat> yeah, collective punishment, I wanted to touch on that considering when we talk about um, how the state maintains itself um, and how institution, we're just trapped by these institutions that maintain this kind of, and reinforces this structural racism and sexism and ableism and um, I feel like by what if he was actually indicted? Would people be out in the streets like celebrating that? Would people even hmm. be outraged at all? You know, like, so I feel like, I feel like it shows this kind of, this kind of overlying, like um, our descent is kind of like controlled by, by the same like structure of, um, of white supremacy, these same institutions that are like inherently white supremacist um, and patriarchal, and yeah, I feel like when when um, there is when things are up to when we leave justice up to the state, it's only it's always going to perpetuate this injustice um, because what Darren Wilson is going to go into the prison industrial complex, which is like continuously, you know, continuously oppressing black and brown bodies and trans bodies within there. I feel like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't really see, I don't really see uh, a way that is, isn't without, you know, people wanting to take justice into their own hands. And they're already kind of doing that with like, you know, how they react to to this news so I'm just kind of like I don't know people who have long knew, known about you know the structure of white supremacy and black bodies uh, being killed almost every single day they're just like yeah I, I'm not surprised I'm but what they're saying is they're more surprised at the overwhelming amount of outrage over this over this one person um, as well as like wondering like well does the rest of the united states know that this is a systemic thing this is happening every you know 24 hours i would hope that they know by now i still want him in jail you know what i mean like i still like even though like it wouldn't really change anything and like he's just one example like i still just would want him to rot in jail for the rest of his life you know because uh, this fool is sitting he's been sitting like getting paid you know, like chilling interviews. Yeah, and you know he's had courted. And he got married. He, yeah, he got married, and he got courted. You know, he got courted by all these like MSM, like Media Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, George Stephanopoulos has like the interview coming out with him. This fool's probably you know he got five hundred thousand dollars raised for him. You know, 
these people, it, it shows to like, you know, they will get away and it's okay to kill black people. But I do think that it's bigger than Ferguson and mm-hmm. that like it has been isolated to Ferguson. And I think that is also like the interesting, like we waited this whole time for the verdict. You know, even, I mean, people in Ferguson have been going at it every day, you know. Right. How many people have gotten killed since Mike mm-hmm. Brown, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like. There was two, right? Two there's been more than two, but there was two just the weekend of like the. Uh, Ohio that, and New York. Yeah, that we were waiting for the indictment right. uh, response from the jury. And it's like, you know, how many people have to, you know, die where it's like, we just need black revolt. Like, it has to be black revolt. Like, we need, like, it's just, like, they're killing us. They let us know it's okay to kill us. They're trying to take our culture. This is, like, genocide, you know what I mean? And we need to fight back. And so uh, and so we should have and, you know, take in the streets whether or not he got indicted or not. It's interesting, too, because, like, yeah, people or some people are still, like, hoping that these institutions are going to do something. You know, like, I saw a petition for, like, a petition to get, you know, uh, the DOJ to press charges. And it's, like, um, and it's, like, why, why are we still waiting for these institutions that we know do not represent us, that do not serve us? Like, we just saw the prosecutor straight up lie about everything that happened, you know? Mm-hmm. We're, we live in a failed state. And so, like, I hope what we're seeing is the beginning of something and not, like, just, you know, what happened, Trayvon Martin Uprisings 2.0, you know, where people take the streets for a week and then it dies out and that's it. And then someone else gets killed and we wait for the next hashtag to happen, like... It just, it just, it's time. Yeah, the thing that fears me most is the precedent that's been set, and is with it being, with it being set, it communicates that um, that is okay to kill like black people without it people being like indicted. Justice coming to the doors of these people who are killing like mm. black people, and it it worries me because it's creating an atmosphere where it can be open season on our lives and I'm afraid of that I'm afraid that I'm going to be killed because somebody just feels like killing me because that's basically what it is Mm -hmm. like these officers killing is not because they are worried that they're going that their lives are in danger or that somebody's attacking them or that they're hurt they're shooting because they're trigger um, happy and they know that they can get away with it and it's frustrating. is is extremely frustrating. Yeah, I I just wanted to also uh and in, in, well going back to um J squared's uh, point about um the the planning behind this and this non indictment pretty much the releasing of um that information and how you know it's we were talking about this before how it's like it's pure strategy when you know they they plan things around like holiday season they know that like people are might you know provide less dissent i feel like if it was in the summertime um it just would have been like full-blown like a real intense reaction but because it's cold and like you know people are still kind of wrapped up in like the whole consumerism of like oh i need to go to thanksgiving i need to go black friday i need to do all these things um uh they're just they yeah it's planned it's planned and um as far as uh, Thanksgiving coming up and whatnot, uh, I don't know it, what conversations are people going to have around the table. You know, like mm-hmm. what what are what are, what are we going to be saying to each other? Are these conversations going to trickle down not just from people like us, or is it going to be you know everyone conversing? I know those conversations are happening no matter who it is, 
but what is the content the content what what's Substance. really going on what's really percolating you know in people's minds and actions and you know hopes and dreams but going back to what x was saying as far as the planning i feel like it, them planning it validates their fears when they can see well look this is how they respond they're violent they're destroying their own neighborhood so that's why i feel like they their own their fear gets validated in that in itself but at the same time they're the, the way that they respond themselves with violence and you know we're recording this wednesday this air is friday but i'm hoping that people on thursday tomorrow um for thanksgiving you know like they are still in the streets, you know, because like that, I mean, like, especially on a day like that, you know, like mm. the relevancy of like how, you know, um, we celebrate like genocide, you know? And so, um, so I hope that like people are still in the streets tomorrow. Um, you know, you have your dinner, have your lunch, but go take the streets after. A lot of these actions I've been hearing, hands up, don't shoot, and it just irks me and kind of wanted to have a discussion about like, y'all's feeling about that that hands up don't shoot what does it mean where are we at in the movement for that for myself the reason that it bothers me because it bothers me as well mike brown was shot with his hands in the air as well as the countless other names that we don't even know they were shot with their hands in the air why why chant hands up don't shoot when we know they still will shoot and I think it, um, we went on a, like, there was, like, marches that happened since. And um, something I was thinking or a phrase I kept saying was, hands down, fist up. And with it has, like, a double meaning. Like, fist up as in power and power to you or power to us. As well as fist up as in, like, we will defend ourselves. We're not going to allow you just to shoot us. And and just keep killing us. It's not it's not happening. I I have nieces and nephews and I'm worried about my niece um being killed by these like these trigger happy like people who know that the justice system does not value black life as they value other lives, specifically white lives because that's the what well, the counter uh, the the counters to each other, right? Black life and white life, right? That's what the system uh, makes those the polar opposites of each other. So I'm worried that my something will happen to like my niece or one of my little cousins. I can't keep my hand. I don't want to have my hands up. I rather if I'm going to be shot, I rather die with my fists in the air. Mm. Recently, there was um, I guess um, he might have been Chicano man uh, Eduardo um, Bermudez, and he actually used to volunteer here at KPFK. So just like a kind of condolences to. Um, his family, and no matter what you know, the media is putting out about who, what he did, or how it happened. Like it's still, you know, he was still another, another person, brown person that was like murdered by the police. Um, and yeah, I guess so. To express my kind of like discomfort with hands up, um, don't shoot. Like who are we talking to? Mm -hmm. Like who is our audience of who we're saying this to? We're talking to. Yes the police and like and like how much privilege do you have to have like in terms of like white people like that you have the freedom to just say that and they might actually listen to you you know they're gonna listen to white people if they're like oh hands up don't shoot and then like but black people are just gonna get shot so i'm just like 
I don't like I don't like it. It's very it seems like disempowering. It yeah, mm-hmm. it's disempowering. It's like almost like surrendering. Submissive. It's like Surrender. I don't Submissive. you know Submissive. like and this is why I I appreciate, you know, black flag and it's like symbolism of like, you know, if a white flag means, you know, to surrender, a black flag means never to surrender because mm-hmm. like it's you know, we're not supposed to just like surrender when we're being attacked, especially when this attack isn't like on us. This isn't like started by us, and it's, un- it's unnatural. It's not natural to like no. just to like defend. be so subordinated to want to ascribe to a certain like people like how they live, how they act, how what they look like. This is white supremacy. Like it's like why 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 do, are people like bleaching their skin? Like the white people in this entire world are the le- they're they are the minority. But like, why are people actually wanting to aspire to be, look, think, live economically, act like them? It's because it's inscribed in the libidinal economy or the collective consciousness. Um, but other people, I feel, you know, in other cities are talking about hands up, shoot back, and like forming kind of coalitions around self-defense because like, you know, u- utilizing that whole constitutional right that you have you know, the Second Amendment to bear arms, even though the Constitution is crap, oh, considering, yeah, like, it, you know, thing. doesn't, you <laughs> know, it's like, yeah, right? Because it imposes in terrible, you know, um, economic system and, like, representative democracy on a, on a people, an indigenous people who are already here. Really, only white people have the Second Amendment, right? Because, like, right. people have been getting, like, killed for, like, not even having brown in Florida. Yeah, or Black like, people. or you know, like um, Marissa Alexandra for shooting warning shots, you know, um, mm. in the air, you know, and not even shooting anyone, and she got more time than George Zimmerman, Zimmerman did for, and he actually he killed, killed someone. Someone. He yeah. killed someone, and then we think of you know, the young man that was shot for you know having a sword and a costume for just like doing like uh, cosplay, cosplay. Yeah. and then you know also the person who in had the, or the little kid that was just shot over the weekend for with having a, a for having a toy gun or the person who was shot at Walmart for walking around with a BB gun inside so it's like of the Walmart inside, inside the Walmart so it's, and the yeah. gun section so it's very clear who is allowed to shoot and who is not allowed to you know and they do not want us to be able mm-hmm. to bear arms, you know what I mean? Because what does that mean? Then that means the playing ground's actually a little equal, you know, mm-hmm. and they're not trying to have it equal. They're trying to have it, you know, continuing and protecting their white supremacy. We've got, uh, we're winding down. Uh, I just wanted to make sure we get some last thoughts before we do our outro and um, before we move to our next part of our show and discussion. Well, um, as far as even ground, I don't think it's even considering the state has all the weapons that they need to destroy us mm, and sub- subjugate us. So I don't think it's ever a playing field if we get access to guns, but it's not that we shouldn't have guns, you know? Yeah. Well, like when you I, consider the concept of like ownership and who owns what right, and the concept yeah. of like where our tax dollars are going to, right. like where people's actual economy is like supporting you know the the idea of like the the police getting these materials it's our money you know so like we i feel like if there was a movement to boycott and divest and sanction the police i feel like there would be like i don't know it would change the logic of like okay wait aren't these civil servants and why why did they have the right to like so much right over my body as well as like have have all of these weapons they're basically our weapons considering mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we're the ones paying for yeah. them they don't even own the mean like that that's so it's like very twisted logic considering they're supposed to be civil servants but the facade 
the facade is like coming, you know, to light. You know, if the facade is like, oh wait, let's go back to the history of the police. Let's go back to where they were slave catchers, and understand that they, in no way or shape or form, uh, inherently supported or seen black life as human. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I don't know. As far as them being civil servants, like when I was watching the live stream for Ferguson live, there was a very, I couldn't even tell anymore at this point whether they're police or military. Mm. You know, even when the National Guard came in, they still look the same. They still look, the, they were, to me, they were the same people, one and the same. It's so I, it's indistinguishable yeah. at this point. I don't know what what we could even call them at this point. Um. Yeah, and so, you know, and that's, like, an issue with the militarization and police. And then also, and then the thing that's, like, when I think about, like, revolt and stuff, is like, who are the people who are armed? We are not armed, you know what I mean? Like, these white militias, like, KKK group are armed. And it's, like, you know, like, you know, they're the ones that are going to, they're the ones with all the weapons. They're the ones, you know, who have the money to be able to afford all mm-hmm. these weapons and ammo and stuff and stockpiled, you know. Gun costs are up. Yep. And it's, like, you know, the cops and the Klan go hand in hand. So it's, like, when we think of these uh, white militia groups and the KKK and the police, you know, and who's got the weapons, who's got the right to protect the law, you know, the white riot is institutional. The white riot is what we've been going through. The white riot has been going on since slavery, you know. And so, yeah, I actually want to echo everything that um, you all just said. It's the, that's my that's my worry and that's my fear is that they have all the guns, like they have the guns, and they are like there are no civil servants. The only civil servants are is us. Like we're the like we're the the like we're the civil people, and we are only people are going to be able to serve like because we're only going to be able to serve ourselves. And these police and these like military individuals who are one and the same if I think about the that image of like the Panthers walking down the street with all those weapons and just like how they you know you think about um, COINTELPRO and how like they destroyed all of that type of like type of defense and like protection they put things in place to make sure that that does not happen again to make sure that a mass group of black individuals do not feel comfortable or know that they legally won't have the backing to be able to walk down the street that way. And that's my, like, you know, that's my, that's my, my worry is that they've like gotten into a point where that second amendment right is only for a certain group of people. It's not, it doesn't apply to me. It doesn't apply to me have, cause I had a, I have a gun. Guess what, man? They, they're going to, they're going to light me up. They're going to light me up. Mm-hmm. And then they actually might light me up, then drop a bomb on me. You know, <laughs> like they did in Philly mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to move. Yeah. They shot, you know, they dropped a bomb on these people for speaking up and defending themselves. Mm-hmm. Creating autonomous communities for themselves. That's also a huge threat mm. to the state. If you create like a zone in which you're not supposed to have the police enter, then that, yeah, they'll Forget move on it. you really, really <laughs> fast. I, I wanted to bring up the, um, I guess, two points. Uh, the logic of like, you know, the civil servant and like what I mean by... You know, I don't like using ideas of like, I don't know. I don't like the logic of capitalism or colonialism. I'm just like, um, when I say civil, it, it brings up this idea that like the police are the ser- servants of of civilization, and civilization is like a kind of like white supremacist kind of like idea that you know is seen as like this thing, this um, l- legitimate opposed to, you know, a primitive kind of, like, living standard. Um, 
so it's hard to use like their logic against them. Um, but um, also I wanted to talk about uh, the necessity right now of recognizing that every oppressed person's struggle for liberation is interconnected with every other person's struggle for liberation. And when we talk about trans or black lives uh, matter, we should talk about, you know, the trans women that are being um, murdered every, you know, three days because like the trans, what sucks about the trans women is it, yes, it is police who are murdering them, but it's also, it's also like our people, our people are attacking us. And like, it's like, we want to have these conversations about like, well, we're trying to exist, you know, we're just trying to exist in this, in this like world. And like for, there, there's just this kind of like, this intersectional attack where you're like, yeah, you're being, as a trans person, you know, you're being harassed in the street by the cops, but you're also getting a lot of aggression and being murdered by a lot of other people who are, um, you know, just feel that, you know, they're, they're like an abomination or whatever. So I just wanted to bring that up, that like, you know, Black Lives Matter, but like also trans lives matter as well. And it's specifically like black trans women also yes. that are like more being like killed and attacked, you know? And I think that's also like, you know, when we talk about the lives who are being like killed, you know, it's like, you know, we also like focus a lot on like the black men that are being murdered, but not like, you know, the like, you know, trans women and the black women that are being murdered as well. Still black life. Still black life. It's all black. <laughs> like, it's all love. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so this is the end of our first part. Please uh, continue to join us for our second part where we will be discussing um, the L.A. uprisings that have been taking place uh, as a response to the um, verdict that came out from the grand, um, as a response that came out from the verdict of the grand jury. Um, if you don't continue, um, you can check it out at our SoundCloud. That's on res- uh, soundcloud.com slash on-resistance. You can also follow us on Twitter at onresistancela. You can also email us at onresistanceradio at gmail.com and um, follow our Tumblr at onresistanceradio.tumblr.com. We'll soon have our um, website should be coming out soon. That's www.onresistance.com. Um, please stay tuned for a short break, and we'll be back discussing the LA uprisings. Thank you. When we come through, you know, shut it down. When we come through, you know, shut it down. When we come through, you know, shut it down. When we come through, you know, shut it down. Shut it down. Welcome to On Resistance. Uh, this is Bobby J. This is the second part of our two-part discussion on the Ferguson Uprising and uprisings that have been taking place here in Los Angeles. Um, if you missed the first part, you can listen to it on our SoundCloud. That's www.soundcloud.com slash on-resistance. Um, and so, yeah, let's join. Let's just get started. Can people introduce themselves? J squared. S show. Uh, this is X. Okay, so um, we've all been participating in the uprisings that have been happening. Today is Wednesday, so um, you know we're not going to be able to say what happens tonight or tomorrow or Friday. Um, hopefully, it's still continuing, but uh, we just are going to share our thoughts and experiences on what has been taking place uh, Monday night and yesterday night, Tuesday. Um, so let's start with Monday. What happened just in Ferguson? Um, there was like you know uh, 
Mike Brown's mother, uh, she was very, you know, she was, you know, in tears. Um, and um, and then as soon as, like, the got the non-indictment, um, people lit a cop car on fire in Ferguson. And um, from then, from there, you can see all the pictures. There was a lot of um, outrage, property destruction, Oakland. Um, and... Um, yeah, I guess we can. Um, I think. Oh, yeah. There's just actions all over the pl- all over the country um, regarding this. A lot of like shutdowns of freeways and like um, you know halting you know capital from continuing. The first night, people met up at um, Crenshaw MLK. There was like lots of people. There's lots of people that I hadn't seen uh, that I didn't know, uh, which was nice. Uh, a lot of black faces. Um, and we marched, we marched, we marched for a long time. I'm still sore from the marching <laughs> on both Monday and last night. Uh, we took a freeway, uh, shut down the 110 freeway. And yeah, the cops shot rubber bullets at us. Uh, went into the night and then and other various marches went downtown. More than just like what happened, just like, uh, like what was your experience of the march? Um, the vibe that you were getting from people, um, the energy, um, yeah. Yeah, the exciting part was that um, was that energy. It was the energy of the unity that was down there with all the youth. It was a lot of youth. It was um, a lot of people um, looking under the age of like 35, it seems, that was out there and just wanting to have their voices heard and I think that is something we're working toward is like regaining our voices because in our, our structure and in our society, our voices aren't heard. We can scream, don't do this, don't, sh-, you know, hands up, don't shoot all we want. And they still will shoot. And that's because they don't listen to us. Our voices aren't heard. So I felt that unity of collectively gaining back our voices while we were like marching and just the 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 chants were just beautiful and how many people just showed up that first night it 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 uh and inspired me just to want to be out there i haven't been like on a march and for some time just cuz i've been like uh, i've been worried about like just being snatched and the last time i was out there i think was for Trayvon and i went out there for uh, Mike Brown and all the black lives that are being targeted and taken and to see so many like black people out just in the streets and like you know hey you know what's going on and marching that was like exciting the thing i wanted to see more was maybe more of a dialogue i think we, mm-hmm. our marches are usually just marching and like we're just or we are marching and we are speaking out um in various ways, whether it be in chants, um, yelling, um, uh, property destruction, um, setting police cars on fire. We're just, we wanted our voices to be heard. But it would be cool if we start to talk to each other because that's what's, like, lacking. And I feel the black community or my community is us not talking to each other about how we think we should move forward, what we should do, where we should go, how we are going to like lift the like consciousness of the, this whole like country and that of the planet um, in a unified way. And 
that's what I would like to see more of while being out there on the streets is just like some more dialogues, even one-on-ones, like people just walking up to people you don't know, like somebody you like spot that you feel like a little comfortable or safe walking up to, walking up to them and just being like, hey, how are you? Like, how are you doing today? Um, uh, Bobby? You know, was thinking about like our previous show in case of a riot, you know, and um, like things to also just like watch out for those people who do, like it's kind of weird, like because it's kind of also hard to get to know people because it is like, you know, you don't know who like, there's lots of undercovers on marches and stuff like that. It's hard to be like, oh, hey, you know, like, and talk to people, you know, about things without, like, just trust your gut, I guess, you know, but also, like, be careful of, like, people who do just kind of, like, approach you or, like, talk to you. Yeah. If I think if somebody walks up to you and trying to get you to do something shady that you don't know or trying to lead you somewhere, automatically should be a red flag. But I guess I'm talking about more so here in L.A., like, there is this lack of, like, black solidarity that I've never seen before. Like, I'm from Philadelphia, and there's just a much more just connecting. My interactions with black men is here is that there's a lack of distrust, as well as for black women. And I think that has a lot to do with, like, um, being harassed on the street and the thing, and things of that sort. But there's just a lack of trust between in the black community amongst us. And I'm trying to figure a way to to shift that because that's the only way that we're going to be able to move forward is trying to build that trust again. How we're going to build that trust back in the black community that's not there, um, specifically in L.A. Um, as far as for me on Monday, I I don't know. Whenever I think about going out to marches, I have to think about it twofold because I am undocumented. I can't just, you know, put myself at risk depending on what's going to happen. So I, I always have to really consider whether it's, you know, should I really go out there? And I didn't feel that way on Monday. I just, I also had friends tell me that, you know, they were worried that something might happen. But as far as that's concerned, I don't know. I mean, I think on Tuesday when I went out, it was very, definitely very shady. A lot of things going on, a lot of misinformation, a lot of... Uh, shady characters, a lot of tense moments where I thought I might get arrested, but it didn't happen. My experience was, it was it was really, really positive. Um, I really, really love all of like you all and the comrades that I do have um, that are in the streets resisting with us because I have a lot of trust um, for, for people in terms of like knowing that we're looking out for one another, knowing that, um, but then there's also yeah, the the shady characters and um, uh, also Answer Coalition was there and they were taking up a lot of space. Answer. As well as um, one of the people, I guess I won't mention his name, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he was just like snitch jacketing and calling people cops. Some of my comrades who I knew were cops or whatever. And just whenever people would have conversations, he would be like, oh, why don't you let... You know, when people are having a dialogue, you know, we're just like, uh, they're like, oh, why don't you let the black people who live in this community decide? And it's like, A, we're not in that community necessarily anymore. And B, um, some of us are black people who are, you know, <laughs> having a dialogue. Right. Uh, <laughs> well past. Chris Shaw and Martin Luther King. Right. That's oh my, my life. God. Yeah, my yeah. Life. Like, do you mean the locational community <laughs> or the, like, social conditions of, like, community oppressed under white supremacy? Um, but also, <laughs> I um, I guess I experienced, yeah, so a lot of, like, kind of, like, 
control coming from and fear mongering too coming from people who are working with Answer Coalition. I remember uh, the first time people were demanding to take the freeways. Um, uh, one of the people was like, oh, you know, just fear mongering and saying that like, oh, well, we don't have the bail money to get everybody out of out of jail. And it's like, you know, you don't know if that's going to happen. And like also, like, isn't this just kind of all symbolism unless we shut some things down in order to show that, you know, exactly. black life Especially actually Especially if you're going to keep chanting, like, let's shut it down from Mike Brown. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that did help encourage people to actually shut down the freeway. Um, but then, you know, in, in terms of like, <clears throat> I'm not going to implicate myself in anything, but also <laughs> there are people trying to, you know, take yeah. down a fence in order to get to the freeway. And like there are answer people literally grabbing and grabbing on to people to, to remove them from doing that. No. Mm, and I was just yes. like, well, what? you're going to get you're yeah. going to get swung at. And then like what? some people were chanting like, you know, peaceful protest, peaceful protest. <laughs> And then uh, some of us were chanting like, you know, outside pr- pacifiers, outside pacifiers. So they were just really surprised. They had a look of shock when people started shouting outside pacifiers because it is, it is, you are pacifying people if you're not urging them to do whatever they want in terms of like their rage and where they're at, you know, with the situation. Um, in regards to uh, dialoguing, I was thinking of like, it would be really cool to have that, like, kind of, like, an assembly of, like, deciding as a group, you know, in the rally, like, where we're going to go, like, in terms of, like, yeah, let's march to A or B or C. Mm-hmm. But then that also, you know, it kind of also is a telltale kind of, like, thing for these undercovers or the police that are also there. And, like, instead it would turn into the police, like, kind of, like, leading. So I don't know if it's good to have an already set place of where we're gonna go, or if we should just like, you know, just snake march and make decisions as like, you know, as a, as we move throughout the city. Yeah, I wanted to uh, make a comment on the, there were like when the fence was being like, you know, taken down so we can have access to actually shutting down the, uh, the, the highway to make our, like have our voices heard. Um, there, when the peaceful protests, um, when people were shouting peaceful protests, I was standing next to black. I was standing next to black people, specifically black women, who were saying it. And um, but I know all of us were standing next to a different group of people who were saying it. Um, and I remember just they were like peaceful protests, peaceful protests. And I communicated. And I was like, the fence is the fence is okay. The fence is going to be fine. We can rebuild that fence. Like no lives are being taken. That's not not peaceful. And the I just remember the them taking the time and they thought about it and then they like stopped saying it and I and this is like I think the part of the dialogue I'm talking about is like the black community are going as certain things that at the very beginning is just not going to feel comfortable with doing and unless there's a dialogue that's happening mm-hmm. it's not they're not they're just not going to do it like when we were going like when people were going up the uh, <laughs> the side um, to get to the freeway there was this. Uh, this black uh, older male, and he was like, "No, that's not what we're here for. Please don't do that." And he was like, um, "This is dangerous." And he said, "Stupid." And I said to him, "I was like, it's really important to show solidarity." I said, "For two things: one, we're talking about um, shutting it down for Mike Brown." I said, "So what are we shutting down for Mike Brown?" I said, "We have to think about that." And then the second thing I told, like, uh, start to talk to him about was that there are other cities that's doing this like very thing. 
And I, it's really, it would be great to show the solidarity that, hey, we are all feeling the same thing and we want this. And then I, this, this guy looked at me, he's like, oh, okay, so, but you understand what I'm saying though. And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, okay, so you know what you're doing. And then he walked back down and he walked back down. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's like important to like talk to people when these things are going down because people do have the state's views and, or these like internalized things that just not, that, that they haven't thought about for themselves, like the word riot. You know, people think about riot and they think about violence. They think about violence as people breaking windows. And we have to let, break it down for people. Like, no, violence is what happened to Mike Brown. Mm-hmm. Like being shot down on the street and being getting your behind beat by police officers. But like King said, you know, people like to use King a lot. And like King said, he's like, riot is the language of the oppressed, you know. And so it's like when people step out, you know, that's what we have to do. We have to get out there, make ourselves be, like, heard by um, shutting things down. And however we shut those things down, whether it be with dialogue, whether it be, like, with our bodies, whether it be stopping highways, whether it be flipping the cop car over, we have to make our voices heard so people can see that we're not playing no games because we're not taking any lives. Kind of notice is, like, the same thing. Like, this is kind of very similar to Trayvon Martin, uh, except, like, I think we've gotten better as like a resistance than last year. Like last year, you know, uh, there was the first initial night and then there was like the larger mart the next day and then by the third day, like you already had like the like self-appointed leaders, you know, like who had like co-opted. And so um, I think like, you know, what X brought up before about, um, about answer is like another element that we have to deal with is not just the police, but the established left and all these orgs and that's co-optation. Um, and so I wanted to ask, like, how do we, you know, real time dynamics in a march deal with like co-optation? Because like that, the first night that was a hit, huge issue. The second night, uh, which we're going to talk about next uh, is police tactics uh, was, you know, undercovers. Uh, so I really which I want to really make sure we have time for uh, is to talk about what happened last night, because that was um, that was intense. Um, last so, night being Tuesday. Last night being Tuesday. Mm. Um, so if we can briefly talk about co-optation. Um, and then move into talking about what happened Tuesday night. Be very, very technically aware of, like, this is happening. It's probably going to happen. I, I, I worry that it's going to happen to this movement again in terms of, like, people it dying out and um, it being, like, a push to, like, reform the police or reform the... Like, it's, like, it always happens that way. Um, I'm just hoping that people see past that kind of... Um, that kind of state tactic, that kind of liberal tactic... Yeah, when I think about co-optation, first co-optation is a established organization or a individual who's like well-known coming in and taming the natural response to um, these injustices. So for the black community, think about like Jesse Jackson or um, Al, Al Sharpton, um, who when they see black suffering, they just come and they try to co-opt. It's really important to call those individuals out, but like, hey, Al Sharpton or hey, answer, or hey, these RCP. Three, RCP, like, letting them know that, hey, mm-hmm. you can't come here and co-opt us, you know? Like, you're not going to be able to, like, silence us or funnel us down this one view. So I think the best thing to do is, like, when you know an established organization, point them out. One more thing to okay, say go. about um, co-optation. In terms of you can counter the co-optation, you can, there is an ability to counter it. You just have to, it's a little bit more confrontational because there have been people in the past who have, like, tried to counter co-opt, um, uh, which I don't know if that's co-opting, but like just like leaving <laughs> the space. co Yeah, well, that's <laughs> leaving space for the rest of the people instead of having one 
particular group of people or organization take up all of the space and shape the the framework of where we go, what we're doing. Co-optation, you know, whether it be by orgs, so sometimes you have a co-optation by undercovers. Mm -hmm. um, and that leads us to what happened Tuesday night. People took the same exact route um, that we took the night before, which is Monday. Um, mm. So they went down MLK, went up for, uh, went up Figueroa, and people to try to go to LAPD headquarters. Now, people, I, from my understanding, from heard that people who were participating in that part of the march were trying to say like, no, we should not go to LAPD headquarters. What is the point? You know, like this is where the cops are. It's not safe. People taking a very active role in leading the march that you know uh, kept pushing the march that way. Um, so by the time um, I got there, people were already at LAPD headquarters. There was tons of people. The whole, all of the police had LAPD surrounded um, in riot gear, right? And there was tons of cops waiting in the back just in case, I guess, people decide to, like, I don't know, like, storm the station or something like that. I don't know. I really don't know. I thought uh, those were the protesters for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um it wasn't like the first night, how I feel like the first night was like sort of more unity. And this night there was just like, there's just stuff going on everywhere, right? So we ended up going on a march that ended up where people ended up taking the 101 freeway, shutting it down. And okay, so, you know, the police are always violent. The police are always forceful. You know what I mean? They wanted to fight. And people they were bloodied. People were bloodied. No, yeah, the people were bloodied. Um, they were hitting people with their batons. Um, this one young woman's face was like completely covered in blood. They were showing like immense force uh, at the people who were down on the, uh, taking the freeway. And then they kettled us and wouldn't let us uh, leave. Um, this is a tactic one to um, cause fear um, because there was too many people for them to arrest us all at once because they do not want that headline. And two, to sort of like disperse. So then uh, there's continuously marches going on. The one march that like we last went on, you know, and this is why it's important, you know, to tr go with your gut because the, the person that was leading this march you know, he was having people go down like alleys and underpaths or freeways and leading them to get kettled by cops. You know, in each situation this guy had people going to and why this one guy, you know, and this other like white guy were leading this march and people were listening to it, I don't understand. But, you know, like he kept getting people like kept putting people in situations where the cops were already waiting for them and already putting them in positions of kettle. Um, and it reminded me of the Zell Ford march. I believe, like, had a lot of undercovers, and, like, we were able to, like, sort of, like, fight against that, but I didn't feel, like, it wasn't, we didn't have, like, as much, like, numbers, I think, like, in solidarity and affinity as before. But, yeah, I mean, police tactics, like, um, mm -hmm. what what have you seen? What have you learned? What? I, th I feel like since the police exist to use violence to enforce the law, um, and that should be very, very clear to people, just in terms of like when people are arguing that like we don't want any violence, we don't want, it's like there's already a psychological violence that we're having to deal with in terms of like, if we break a law, we'll see violence by the police and if we, or threat of violence um, by way of going into, you know, these awful institutions, these punishing institutions like the prisons. Um, but with their tactics, it's like they're, always doing particular tactics of crowd control. And I feel like 
I feel like it would be very healthy if people, you know, just studied, you know, the police a little bit more in terms of what, how they are supposed to be, you know, an institution of social control and an institution that um, does that for a living. So they know a lot of how they, they're studying, you know, a lot of like these dissenting movements and uh, practices of like, you know, what, what people use in terms of... Um, uh, mobilization. So I, I'm feeling like there should be more people just reading up on it on particular tactics and, you know, because <clears throat> they're studying ours. Um, mm. I saw a lot of, and that's the issue is when there, when there are undercovers, like I feel like it would be, or if you suspect an undercover, it would be good to like approach them and ask what, you know, what existing organization they're in or whatever. And if they're not, then it's like, you know, keep your eye on them. Um, but, you know, I think I feel like, you know, what's, what's helpful is to not have any one person or one group continuously leading a march. It's like, you know, I've led marches before and, like, I've been like, okay, I'm going to leave it up to the next person that wants to leave, like, you know, move us to where we want to go. Like, it's just, like, it, it works in a very... Uh, it's decentralizing, you know, and everybody gets to kind of like participate in that way and decide. And like, I feel like it's harder when there are police uh, present because you don't actually want to have these conversations with them, but you also do, um, yeah, you have to decide as a group where to go, you know? Um, going back to what uh, X was saying, I just feel every time that I've been on a march, uh, at least with my experience, I've always felt that the most successful marches were with horizontal uh, leadership or at least allowing for people to respond in an autonomous way to, you know, create whatever level of march that they feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But uh, also no leaders, no cops, F all the stops, no need <laughs> to stop every moment at every intersection, you know, I last night was just hectic we kept getting misdirected misinformed and i mean you know most of we have our own contingent of people that we go sometimes but sometimes when you go you know less equipped or mobbing it together it's just it's a different atmosphere less safe i feel it's harder to try to like resist against Mm -hmm. like all of the undercovers and co-opters when you're not rolling deep when you see these like officers or you see these people who like are obviously cops think ways to roll like lies that they're obvious is them like trying to like lead people like down dark alleys like mm-hmm. that's just obvious if they're my mama told me don't go down a dark alley <laughs> so and then i wasn't on that march yesterday but i heard that it was a predominantly like mm. white and light passing marks opposed to monday where it's predominantly black yes and predominantly black march it was just naturally almost like uh, it was like a natural, like horizontal aspect of it. It just makes me just think when you're with a predominantly you know, like black group marching, or in de- opposed to a predominantly white group, it's like easier to get caught because people think less for themselves. And mm-hmm. predominantly uh, white marches than predominantly black marches. It makes me because that first march when people went on the the uh, overpass, the, the highway, a lot of people stayed down. A mm-hmm. lot of black people, a lot of people, just like I ain't going up there, I ain't yeah. going up there. And then after a while people started to feel comfortable to go up, which means that they didn't want to do what they didn't want to do. Yeah. Whereas, like, in the other march, it seems like people went down, like, 
dark alleys without like it's not a game well it's also not a game for them you know what i mean like it's also for for, uh the black people participating and like the brown people you know what i mean like this is actually like we are protesting for a reason you know and for a lot of like the white people taking selfies with their hands up in front of the cop line like it was it was something to put on their instagram something interesting to do for the night uh how do we move past just marching uh because we can march forever but really we need revolution so and, or just like thoughts you didn't get to say? Um, well, as far as for me, I mean, I think instead of celebrating Thanksgiving this Thursday and, you know, commemorating that genocidal, uh, I think that instead of celebrating Thanksgiving this Thursday, we should celebrate our families and our communities. And uh, mm-hmm. by having, you know, introspective conversations as to, as to what's going on with our reality, the way that we're living in it and the way that we're responding to it because I feel like a lot of us don't have these conversations with you know family members and we just leave it up to the wind for them to figure out how they should feel and think especially when some of us may be looked up to and you know it, it, to me at least when I think about my family like I, I you know you can sometimes you can filter in these conversations these bigger ideas into what you're telling them on a daily but it, it, it's interesting when they do pay attention when they do you know, they, it clicks for them and they can see some difference and they respect you a little bit more, at least in your point of view. So I feel like when we think about Thanksgiving, we should really have these conversations at least, you know, to consider maybe that's moving forward for us. The beginning. Yeah, in terms of like a strategy for people, for this not just to be simple mobilization of like a mass people that are going onto the streets and actually get... Um, people to work towards tendencies of possibly abolishing the police. I think you bring up a good point that the only way we can think about abolishing these institutions that repress and like suppress us um, is, yeah, talking to each other and creating our own, our own strategies of like living in a world uh, as though we don't need the police, like handling things within our, our communities like, like violence and like... Um, just building our communities uh, so that, you know, we can we can actually, you know, organize more against this kind of state, state-sanctioned violence because they're just going to keep on attacking and exploiting people within our communities, I feel. A lot of workers at Walmart are actually going on strike. I don't know what it's going to turn into in terms of people who are going to... There, there's literally, like, over thousands of Walmarts that are organizing to to actually for the workers to go on strike if that happens the people who are wanting to actually shop i feel like there's gonna be a chance for people to go into walmart and and see what happens i definitely want to try to participate in any sort of action that also brings this particular dialogue of mike brown within these consumerist places because there are opportunities to shut down walmart yeah I wanted to make a point about the black people kill each other as much as like the cops are kill or like more than the cops and just that is a false equivalent. So just when people are like having these conversations, what's happening inside one's community is completely different than systemic like structural violence and it's not a fair comparison. But when it comes up to moving past just uh marching, I say honestly for me it's dialogue, talking and it's like talking to like it's like having these conversations at every moment that you can um, with many different people about the structural violence that is actually happening towards like black people. Abolishing the police would be great. 
steps toward that is just actually accountability, uh, ha- having them be held to the same standards and is thrown into the prison industrial complex just like everybody else until we abolish the prisons. But until then, I want them filled with police officers that are killing like people as well. And I think the only one that's going to happen is if people are actually talking about it and speaking out in the various ways that people are already speaking out. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think that like I, I think that you know it's not stopping us continuing to be in the streets. Um, I would honestly love to see Los Angeles and across the country people starting to work towards a general strike. Um, I think that us shutting down the freeways is a good start because um, I think yeah, but uh, I think that we should be working towards a general strike, which is putting that in the air. Um, Builds that momentum. <laughs> that takes organization. Yep. That takes like self organizing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of work, but we can do it. I um, think we can do it too. And so, uh, Oakland did it. <laughs> uh, so, um, a lot of these topics, they could be their own show, co optation, um, police tactics. Uh, they probably will be. Um, we're going to be on a break until after Christmas, but we don't stop recording. Uh, So you can listen to our past shows and any new shows we put up on our SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash on-resistant. Follow us on Twitter at onresistancela. Keep in touch with us on our Tumblr at onresistanceradio.tumblr.com. Our website hopefully will be up, so you can check us out at www.onresistance.com. Thank you for listening, and hopefully we see you in the streets. Peace out. Resist consumerism. Enjoy your Black Rage Friday. Yep. Mm-hmm.